Hello and welcome to MikeyPod Podcast, episode 337 for November 3rd, 2021. Today's guest is author and musician Maria Connor. We'll be talking about her recent book, Girl Shock. I dressed as a girl for Halloween, but then she took over my life. That book, t- that title tells you a lot. There's even more. And I also have some music for you from her quarantine sessions. Lots and lots of insightful chat. This is a great conversation. Do not go anywhere. Keep listening. I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 16 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com, which currently doesn't exist but hopefully it will be back up soon (laughs) more about that or you can just search mikey pod in your favorite podcast directory if you'd like to know more about me stop by my website at michaelheron.com that one is still up hit me up on social media everywhere as at michael heron or email me at mikeypod at gmail.com hello thanks for listening uh just a little check-in here uh my website is currently down for the podcast anyway i I know just enough about WordPress to do little, um, little, little tinkering around. Um, and every now and then I get a little bit too enthusiastic and things go bad. So uh, my kind friend Melissa will be helping me later today. Hopefully that will get the podcast back up and running. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to post this on Patreon, which you probably are already listening to it there if you're listening to this, but that's why it was there. Uh, hopefully I'll have it all back together soon. Ah, I was so ready to be on top of things this week. And then that happened. And if you want to hear the whole story, feel free to reach out to me. It's, uh, it's, a, it's come, it's boring, long. Ugh. Anyway, I just returned from Iceland. It was really magnificent. And I also came back with a really cool, ah, I wrote about it. I wrote about it on Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. They're public posts, what I wrote about Iceland. Uh, so go check those out. I was going to go off, but I'm kind of pontificating on this sort of, I don't even know what to call it. You know, those on experience. And I think trying to speak it is just going to send me down a rabbit hole that will never end. So feel free to stop by patreon.com slash Michael Heron. You don't have to be a subscriber to read those posts. Um, but I really have been having fun writing. And the the takeaway is going away to another country. And and I hadn't been out of the country since the 80s uh, when I was in high school. So something happened. Like it was a really cool sort of reinvigoration of my life and my existence and this small bigness that I sort of came away with. Whatever that means. Um, I'm producing a, t- a fundraiser for Tamerlane Farm on uh, November 14th. It'll be streaming. Uh, it's in collaboration with Compassion Arts with their Compassion Arts Festival. Um, I'll be performing a song. There'll be some other special guests. Um, it's going to be a really cool thing. I'll put um, a link in the show notes to the information for that. It's streaming, raising money for a great animal sanctuary, my friends at Tamerlane Farm. So, Uh, what's not to love. Wow. I did a great job of just hitting those little spots and um, we're moving right on. Um, But before we get into the interview, I want to make sure I do thank my subscribers on Patreon for powering this podcast. These are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month to get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines and bonus podcasts. There are over 70 of them now, and you'll have immediate access to all of that when you subscribe Uh, This week's bonus podcast is going to have an extended conversation with Maria Connor. It's juicy. 
Uh, they're all extraordinary. <laughs> These bonus podcasts are really fun to do. Uh, this one's especially good. So um, I hope you'll check that out as well. So we have some music from Maria. She did a whole series of uh, videos called The Quarantine Sessions, which kept her busy and creative during uh, lockdown in San Francisco. And this is a uh, track from this. This, of course, isn't the video because this isn't a video podcast, but this is the music to her original song, Tinder and Grinder, which reminds me, if you are <laughs> a family of or a piano student of mine, this is not a kid-friendly podcast. Um, it usually isn't, but this one is especially not kid-friendly, as you'll notice when you hear the song. This show is always marked as explicit in all the directories, but just to make sure, uh, turn it off now if you're uh, sensitive to um, raunchy hilarity. Here's Tinder and Grinder. Tinder and Grinder Make me a match Find me a cock I'll get me some snatch Night after night I'm surfing porn But I just want some flesh that's warm A adult friend finder I'll bring the whip You'll have the swing Make sure there's a grip me to a place that I'm longing to be right here down on my knees for the lover make her an angel for the poor but making braggers can be for me well I love the danger so grab me and shut me and watch me scream Make me a match, find me some love Or just get me a scratch Just like a dog I know I can learn some new tricks to make us burn Watch me screaming Tinder and grinder Make me a match Find me a cock I'll just get me some snatch Sitting at home Is no way to find love So send me a stud And give me some pud And find me a fine That was Tinder and Grinder from Maria Connor, who is joining me now on the podcast. We're going to talk about her new book, her YouTube channel, quarantine videos and music so much. Hello, Maria. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. 
Hello, thanks, Michael. It's uh, really, really appreciate uh, talking to you, fellow musician, fellow New Yorker, fellow, yeah. fellow weirdo. Maybe? Yeah, fellow weirdo, fellow queer, like fellow, fellow, queer, yeah. fellow all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Fellow, fellow person of an age. Yeah, we, will. <laughs> we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, should we? Uh, well, I'd love to talk about the song we just heard. Yes. Before we get into your book, which is a whole, of course, topic on its own. Yes. But while it's fresh in our mind, uh, Tinder and Grinder is part of your quarantine sessions. Yes. Yes. Uh, talk to me about that. So that, of course, is Matchmaker uh, from Filler on the Roof. And uh, what I notice when I play live is, in order to really engage an audience, you have to you have to either make it dirty. Right. Or it has to be a mm-hmm. song that everybody loves to hear a million, like a pop song or something like that. Or it has to be just heavy metal driving energy. So me just playing matchmaker is kind of boring. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so why, so I just say this is how I start off the song. I want to uh, sing a matchmaker, but up updated for the current age and for a person like me, you know, yeah. Tinder and grinder make me a match. Find me a cocker, get me some snacks night after <laughs> night. It's it's I start off with it because it gets laughs and gets the audience going every time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I love dirty words. You know, in San Francisco, they all want to hear it. Because, you know, when you go to the piano bar, for example, I, I play, I performed this the other night at Martuni's, the piano bar. When you go there, you see a lot of people who are really great singers singing all these, you know, tort songs and everything. I'm not going to go up there. I'm not going to dazzle them with the quality of my voice. It's decent, I suppose. I'm going to dazzle them with my bravado and my mm. outrageousness. Always know what people want you know yeah and it's really like it's an important thing to know like what your strengths are i mean yeah. that's basically what you just said but like really lean into them uh yeah and yeah. yeah do what you've done yeah yeah and as a musician it's frustrating i've written a lot of love songs like really beautiful melodic love songs but i can't sing them i mean i can but i really have rather have somebody else sing them because mm-hmm. i don't have the right voice it's really frustrating my best songs are songs i can't sing so a, a slight pushback as as a Yoko Ono fan, I'm like, I think you might be able to like, cause she oh, like, I don't know if you're a Yoko Ono fan too, but she's one of those like, I don't even, I wouldn't call her even a guilty pleasure. I really love her. She's got some really lovely songs, and she she doesn't have a good singing voice. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it's more like I don't like the way I sound. Yeah, which yeah, is totally yeah. fair as well. Yeah, but 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 also when I sing live, I've tried a lot of these these beautiful melodic songs live, but it just doesn't work with what I'm doing. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've been at bars where I was like at the Eagle, the leather bar, and I was playing all these punk rock songs that I wrote. And then I decided to do this really beautiful song and the audience just, just, just dissipated. It's a bar. You, just hear them, <laughs> you hear them like start, like the minute you play that like gentle chord, they're like, okay, anyway, that's it. That's it. They start talking. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm no Stevie wonder on my vocals. So, so, you know, uh, anyway, so I, so I never played it again. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, let's talk about your book because yeah. that's what kind of like, that's how you came on my radar. The book is called Girl Shock. I dressed as a girl for Halloween, but then she took over my life. That's right. Which it's such a great title. Thank you. I wanted to make sure there's also a sub subtitle, which is from straight to fabulous and naughty. Right. Uh. I designed it. I wanted Girl Shock would be something to remember, a powerful name, two words. I also mm-hmm. wrote a song called Girl Shock. But I wanted the subtitle to explain exactly what the book is about. I didn't want there to be any question about what this book is about. And then the, right. the sub-subtitle is, and on top of that, I'm not talking about somebody, I'm not a woman, I don't always feel like a woman. I was a straight dude who suddenly ended up going trans. 
Mm. You know, I was not like somebody who felt I was a woman and was struggling this my whole life. I was struggling with just being a dude and being ignored and having all these other guys get all the girls. So I just gave up. <laughs> so that's really interesting, like, because it's a, a fresh perspective. You know, like, I, I consider myself fairly, like, well-read about trans issues and trans experience, as well as someone who is cisgendered can be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is like a new sort of, like, thought for me that it wasn't that you were struggling. Well, maybe this is a question. Was it that you weren't struggling living oh. as a man, but once you, like, experienced living as a woman, you're like, oh, this is it. Is that, yeah, is that fair? It's a little bit more nuanced than that, but it, it's, uh, well, yeah. So I, when I was a man, I didn't struggle with any sexuality issues. I never really thought of myself as a woman in any way, but I did not think of myself as a typical guy either. I don't mm. like sports. You know, I don't like to verbally abuse people. Um, you know, you know, I, I have a lot of, fem I'm very creative. I have a lot of feminine characteristics um, and, um, you know, as a musician, you know, that's probably pretty common. And, mm -hmm. um, but for some reason I didn't, I had a really hard time dating, you know, I work in tech, you know, um, you know, I had a weird thing on my, a weird tumor on my chin, which I had eventually had removed. So I just had this funny look, you know, um, and I, I lived in the suburbs. I didn't have access to women. I worked with all men. Um, I was really, really frustrated. I was really, really sad all the time. I was so lonely. And then I married the wrong person, you know, because I was so desperate not to be alone. And then, um, and then of course that led to divorce and I always had trouble because I grew up overseas and I was this kind of weirdo. So I always had trouble. Right. But never, never felt like a woman. I mean, I liked kinky things. I saw trans people. I was excited by it. Who wouldn't be right. But I was yeah. all excited by lesbians. I was all excited by all kinds of things. Um, and then when I got divorced, and moved to San Francisco, my wife and I had, had dressed up uh, cross-dressed for Halloween and it was kind of a lame party we went to. And I was like, next year I'm going to go to the San Francisco. We get divorced. I do it. All of a sudden, like everybody loves me. I'm like walking around bars and they're looking at me. Hey girl, you're fabulous. I'm like, are you talking to me? Right. <laughs> I just couldn't uh -huh. believe it. I went from zero to 60 faster than a Tesla. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I was like, I literally went from being, uh, suburban, I, I use the word loser, not because I really thought I was a loser, but if you looked at me from the outside, if you, if you look at the statistics, how many dates have you been on? You know, are you happy most? I was a complete loser, right? Mm. I went from that to like queen of the city in like a week. I mean, I was like, what the hell is going on here? It really was a roller coaster. I couldn't believe it. And it came out of the blue. Like it wasn't even, that's the yeah. thing that's really interesting to me about your story. You weren't setting out to like, okay, and I'm going to try it. I'm going to try being trans. I'm going to try oh. this new experience. You were just like going out in drag for fun and it fit. Yeah, it fit. And it's like, it fit in many ways. One is that obviously people liked me and I was no longer a social loser. That's the obvious one. But as a man, I am extremely animated. I express mm. my feelings, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I do things that a normal guy might not do, but a natural guy would. Normal meaning programmed. Our society has programmed men to act in a certain way. That may be normal as an average, but it's not natural. So whatever my natural flair was somehow worked when I was a girl. And some people pointed out, well, you're happier when you're a girl. 
well, that's because you don't really know who I am. <laughs> like, you know, so, so you add in all these things. For some reason, it just worked. Did you feel, um, when you were a man, did you feel uh, like you had to subdue yourself? Like you had to like tone down yeah, oh, yeah. your... Yeah, but I didn't tone it down, yeah. right? But I still felt like I had to. And people would, like an example, I would talk to, let me give you an example of a conversation I had with a friend of mine. I was telling him, I don't know why people at work are just so fucking self-centered. And what's that and the other thing? You know, it's just so frustrating. And he's like, well, that's the way people are at work. You obviously don't understand the professional environment. Joe, I was just trying to express my feelings. My feelings uh, are valid, right? I yeah. would have this kind of conversation all the time as a man. And I was sick of it. I'm not allowed to express my feelings. I'm not allowed to express frustrations. I'm not allowed to tell you about my dreams. I have to act like these guys? Fuck you. Can I say that? Oh, yeah. Well, we've already said like cock and like a lot of other oh, stuff. There you go. So, <laughs> so I was, and also it was just like, I was just, I'm just a very animated person. And that was completely inappropriate as a man. I was shunned over it. Um, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, women wouldn't date me, I guess, because of it. I don't really know why, but it was, I, I was constantly frustrated. Um, never thought it had anything to do with gender. I knew that it was, you know, men were kind of programmed, so to speak, but I never mm -hmm. felt like I should be a woman. Never. Now I look at it and go, oh, maybe, maybe that's the way it is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, like a question came to mind that I'm not going to ask, but I want to tell you what the question was yeah. because it kind of revealed my own, like the way that I kind of subscribe to this whole gender nonsense still. Yeah. You know, like I was started wondering, like, so once you discovered being a woman, did that become something you hid behind? But as a man, you were having to hide. Yeah. Like it made me realize, like, wait, all of this yeah. <laughs> is like putting on a show. Yeah, you know, to a certain degree, and we're all trying to figure out, like, yeah, who where, they are, who who's the real us. Yeah, and it's weird, like, because because I think I, I, when I'm a, when I'm real, I don't feel like I'm hiding anything, but at the mm. same time, I am hiding the guy side, because I don't. I work in tech. I'm a pretty hardcore dude, right? Um, I have I can't disclose a lot of that stuff to women. I can't disclose to them. Like, it's whenever I tell women if I'm talking to women. You know, uh -huh. in a bar or something. I wrote about this in the book. And then I mentioned that, oh, you know, there's a guy inside of me. And like, you know, I, 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 I date women when I'm a man. It, the whole conversation, just the balloon just collapses. Uh, every time without exception. They don't know what to say. They're just like. Yeah. You know, and then and then like, <laughs> like I, if I say that, if I even say to them, well, nobody ever asked about the guy. When I talk about the struggle between being a man and a woman. Nobody ever wants to see the man's perspective. It's always like, yeah, become a woman, become a woman. But what about him? Hmm. Don't you want to know anything about him? Huh? It's just like a yeah. blank stare. So I do feel like I just don't talk about it because nobody wants, nobody's interested. And I used to joke, like I used to think when I came into this, that more, that the dude, when I'm a man, was the blinding white light and Maria was the pink filter. And now hmm. I'm thinking... Maybe Maria's the blinding white light and the dude is the red filter. <laughs> you know? I haven't figured it out yet. I'm yeah. just going what works. Uh, I love this conversation. <laughs> like, it's really cool to just hear about your experience. And like, in, in a lot of ways, it sounds like you're saying like you embody both 
genders. I like, I feel like gender is a dirty word for some reason. Yeah. Both genders. Yeah. 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 I do. I, I, I tell people that, that, um, I identify as straight, right? I just mm-hmm. change my gender. So when I'm a man, I date women. When I'm a woman, I date men, right? I just change my gender. You know, people are like, you're about as straight as a bolt of lightning. I'm like, Mm-mm. like, okay. Yeah. But I still identify as straight. I don't do yeah. the man on man thing. Well, I do do the woman on woman thing. <laughs> that doesn't count. I don't do the man on man thing. It's not my thing. The takeaway from all of this and from the conversation about just a broader conversation about gender, you know, that, that I'm happy that we're starting to have as a uh, yeah. society slowly as it's happening is that like, it's okay. Like it's okay, of course, but also like the more people are allowed to like express who they are as whatever gender expression or non-expression they're feeling, the easier it is for all of us to yeah. just be who we are, right? Like, yeah. like it's yeah. it's freeing for everyone. Yeah, I think so. I, I always tell, like, um, I had this interesting conversation with folks. Uh, I spent a lot of time at Burning Man, right? And I was in this group of, of uh, gender blenders is the name of the, the group. And they had this session there. And trans folks were, were telling, uh, were talking about how they want people to be more accepting of them, right? And we were talking a lot about that. Like, people should learn, you learn to use pronouns and all this, all this stuff you've probably heard a lot about. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, this is all great. And then I, the point I brought out with them was that, in my opinion, you need to go out there and just interact with people and just not worry about all that stuff. If you just show up and you're proud to be who you are and that's it you're going to accomplish much more by just being there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember they looked at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I, you can't measure it, but by just being there, um, you've accomplished 90% of what you're set out to accomplish and do it mm-hmm. in a positive way. Interact, yeah. and, you know, and if people are negative, just walk away from them. I don't, don't even engage with them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm laughing because that's a challenge of mine. <laughs> like oh, I yeah. love, like, yeah. ah, you're wrong, and I'm gonna show uh, you why. Like, I know. I, I that used to be a challenge of mine, and I figured out ways to avoid it. <laughs> Emotionally, yeah. it's a difficult, difficult road. <laughs> and it's 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 true. I'm sure you can tell me that <laughs> you feel happier not engaging with the with folks like that. That's it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> spoiler alert. But, but but here's the yeah. But here's the secret. I think. Um, just take a look at my situation. I was such a loser as a dude. Again, I said, I didn't really believe I was a loser, but I was such a loser. I would get mad at everything because mm. I'm not getting any love here. Right. When I became a woman, when I became Maria, I was having so much fun. It, I didn't need any attention. I didn't feel like a loser. So I stopped being negative. To, I stopped reacting to negative people. I just didn't care. Hmm. But when I was the dude, I just wanted anybody to listen to me. You know? So yeah. That part of the secret was when I lived a better life, I was happier. I was just, I just handled everything else better. I felt like I was living life the way it's supposed to be. I should be able to be myself, to be out with people, to meet people, to get laid, to have fun, and to inspire people by just being myself and not being judged. It's great being a girl. You get people buy you drinks, right? It's hard uh-huh. to do anything wrong. You know, people like you to be emotional. I mean, yeah. yes, yes, check, check. Why would I want to go back? I tried. I tried, but I'm in, when I'm a man, I'm invisible. Hmm. I'm not allowed to say certain, certain things. They treat me like they treat, I'm supposed to act a certain way or be a certain way. I'm like, I don't got time for this. I'm Maria. 
I don't need this. We yeah. should listen to another song. Yeah, sure. This one is an original. Yes. Uh, yes. Sa- Sandos or Sandos? Uh, I pronounce it Sandos. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to tell us about it before we listen to it? Yes. So um, uh, there was a pharmaceutical company called Sandos that I believe mm-hmm. invented LSD. And I was driving with my uncle, who's this crazy guy, and I said, hey, that's where they invented LSD at Sandoz. He said, it's not Sandoz, it's Sandoz! It was just a completely <laughs> random thing. I like that. So he, he lived in California, so I'm like, I gotta write a song called Sandoz. So I wrote the song, and the big joke is it was in Whippany, New Jersey, but I write it as if Sandoz is in like Jamaica. I write <laughs> it as if like, hey, go to Sandoz and dance around on the beach, only to find out Sandoz is in New Jersey. But since you're taking LSD, it doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> That's the <laughs> so. So I just created this goofy bit and 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 wrote the song. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's give it a listen. Okay. Santos. Some people go to Jamaica. Some people like to live by the sea. Some people like to mom, but it's fine, but it's not for me. It's not for me. I want to work at Sandoz. That is the place that I want to be. I want to work at Sandoz. I want to tell everybody. Sandals girls are a sight to see I like to take them out to party To the hot spots with bandy I want to work at Sandals That is the place that I want to be I want to work at Sandals I want to tell everybody I want to work at Sandals That is the place that I want to be I want to work at Sandals I had to tell everybody Sandos. That was Sandos Yes, From Sandos. Maria Connor Did I get it right? Yes, uh, as long as you say it with gusto Sandos Yes, yes. I'll be, My neighbors later are going to be like Why, what are you saying up there? And when you get a lot of people together, they'll all be saying Sandos. I like songs where they're always saying it at the end of the night. Sandos! I have another one called Fuck Yeah! <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so you do a lot of music. Like, I got the book, and I was reading the book, and I was like, oh, let me check out what else Maria has. Yeah. You have this YouTube channel. You've got interviews. Yeah. Um, why I can't think of her name, the go-go. Oh, Jane Weedland. Yeah. Jane Weedland. Yeah. Um, I feel really ashamed of myself as a <laughs> as a generation X person for not knowing her name. I'm always curious because I'm also a creative person. Yeah. Um, when when I see things like this, like the the quarantine series, and I we I don't think we talked a ton about the actual series itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, what like this is such one of those questions, but I have it. Like, what 
How'd you do that? Like we're in quarantine. My my version of dealing with quarantine was like, okay, so I'm just gonna watch TV. Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing nothing. I did um, that for about two months, and I ran out of uh, shows to watch. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, but I yeah. You mean what motivated me to do it? And, and yeah, yeah. What motivated? Yeah, and I'm just curious about that process of like yeah. idea to it happening. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had recorded uh, piano music before, right? In my only Golden Gate show, so I, I knew in the back of my mind I wanted to do more of these. Um, but uh, since quarantine was happening, it just seemed like the right time to use that for something productive. And I really prefer live music, right? Mm. So. So I find that, you know, you ever record a song and, and it sounds great, it was a demo, and you try to recreate the demo and it's lousy because it has no energy. And you're trying, yeah. to, you're trying to recreate the magic and you just can't, right? So, so I really wanted to, to just, um, just uh, have an environment to really show what, li- what I do live, you know, uh, you know the improv and the, and, and the energy level and that kind of thing. And I just wanted to have something for posterity. I also had a bunch of original songs I wrote and I had no recording of them. What if I get hit mm. by a bus? Yeah, you know that kind of stuff. So I wanted to record it, and I had all this equipment from my Under the Golden Gate show. So I set up these three cameras and all this high fidelity stuff, and I recorded it. Um, and I'm still going to do a few more. I'm going to do a Grateful Dead set next. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And this was all recorded in your your living space. Your- in my in my living space. Yeah, and um, I recorded it all live. There's no overdubs. Um, and all I did was come in and EQ it. And both of the songs we listened to today are from those series. Yes, and they are. For people who are listening, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, Maria's yeah, yeah. YouTube it's, channel so you could watch the rest of these videos. Yeah, and there was another one where I did the Drunken Stone Cabaret, right? I did about 15 songs. I was wearing all this green, green shirt, green, everything. I was completely stoned and drunk, and I wanted to prove to you that I could still play the piano and sing, and you wouldn't know. I, <laughs> I fucked up in a few areas, but I was like, I am so good. At live music, the, and I would just knock down these whiskeys, and I would just start knocking out these tunes. And <laughs> and it went well. Yeah, it went pretty well. I messed up a couple of areas. One of them was a Grateful Dead song, uh, "Dark uh-huh. Star," which I recorded, you know. And then um, I had this whole like dizzying kind of weird in- middle part, and I all of a sudden I got a whole bunch of views and a bunch of new fans. They're like, "More dead, more dead." I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to do a dead set now." That's cool. I like the. I've never been a big fan of the Grateful Dead, and I think it's partly because I really haven't paid much attention to their music. Yeah. Um, but I'm always surprised that the the people surprise me by telling me they're a Grateful Dead fan. Like I wouldn't have pegged you for a Grateful Dead fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm not a dead head, but what the interesting thing about the Grateful Dead is I um when I when I sort of thought about that, I started thinking about the dead, I'm like, you know, they were a really big influence on me. I, I didn't mm. listen to a lot of dead, um, but what I did get introduced to them when I was, you know, a teenager, I was like, they're really good. I really loved them, but I loved a lot of different kind of music. And I really was into the whole improv thing. And they actually were a big influence on me, even though I'm not a deadhead, <laughs> you know? Huh? Yeah. I'm more heavy uh, metal and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And jazz. What's a, what's a good starting point for the Grateful Dead? <laughs> Is there a, an album I should start with? God, it's really hard. The, the, let me tell you that the album that I started with was actually a greatest hits album. Right. So to speak. Okay. Called what a long strange trip it's been. It's a uh, black album with I think some gr- red lettering, and it's a double album. And the first, uh, the first, uh, first album. Remember when they used to do one and three, two and four? Remember the double uh-huh. album? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I don't remember that, but I remember the first, uh, the first three sides. I wasn't so much into the fourth side. I just loved everything on it. Everything was so weird. 
it was just, I just loved it because it was just so weird. And it was improv and it was all, to me, everything to me was just like, just put it out there. You know, and that's, to me, that was the dead. Yeah. Yeah, I think they recorded live in the studio. I don't even think they did a lot of overdubs. I had a roommate in late 80s, early 90s who was a big Grateful Dead fan. He was big stoner, tie-dyed, like tapestries in his room and everything. And I think at that time I was like, I was very like club club kid yeah. into like dance music, um, which was much better back then. I gotta say, <laughs> it's but it's program music. It's not really live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the but, thing. Yeah, yeah, but I think at the time I was a little like, ah, oh, he's just listening to that hippie stuff, and I was a little too cool to listen to his music. Uh, so I'm yeah. glad I've aged a little. I can give it a chance. Now. It's the image thing because when I play the dead on the piano, like what, what I like to get. You ever hear the term when you get into the zone or when you're in the bubble? oh yeah. In the flow. Uh-huh. To me, it's like you know the key to a great performance. And I always tell people because I play for uh, four people. I played for Jane Weedland, you know, and I even uh. talk about it in the book. I was like, you know, hey, let's do this, you know, whatever. Um, so she picked a good song, though. No. But I, but I, but I work with a lot of singers, and I'm very often I'm, I'm, I'm telling them, don't pick a song that you're is a challenge to you. Pick a song that you know so well. When you get up there in front of the audience. You're going to be looking at them and you're going to be vi- you're going to be focused on getting them excited. You're not what's the next word or you're not worrying about hitting the note. You're just up there jamming out. So when I'm playing the dead, I'm just like, man, I'm just in the flow, man. I'm just in the flow and everything is just that's to me is music. I always think about when I first like cause I'm classical like classically trained piano. Oh, that's the first problem. But I would but, <laughs> yeah. but I would get in the flow and it was very precarious. And I don't yeah. know, like when you first start doing it, I would I would be playing these classical pieces. I'd be like in the practice room by myself, learning this yeah. this piece. Practice, yeah. practice, practice. I got it memorized. Now I'm in front of an audience, and the whole time it's like, don't think about it. Don't think about what you just play. Just play. Because yeah. the minute you start thinking and you go out of the zone, train wreck. Oh, like, what's the, especially up there. What's the next line? You know. And yeah. the great thing is that yeah, when you're playing there, it's just you know you don't even worry about it. if you get out of the zone. It doesn't matter. Let's go with it, man. Let's go with it. You know, it's meant mm-hmm. to be. Everything in our world is what it's meant to be. It's kind of a Buddhist principle. And yeah. That's what I really love about it. I mean, I can read music, but I, I don't. I don't do it. I mean, I play yeah. classical kid a little bit, but I like yeah. Improv- yeah. And that has been a challenge for me, and one that especially recently I've been like experimenting more with improvisation. Yeah. So I think this is a good timing to like let me do a little more investigating of. Oh Great yeah, it is. Oh yeah, I, I'd say start with that album and really, um, really, really fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I hate to do it, but we are going to wrap up our conversation, <laughs> yeah. but not without listening to another song and letting everyone know who's listening. If you want to hear more of this conversation, we're going to talk a little bit more um, and I'm going to do a little mini episode that'll go up on Patreon. Uh, so patrons, you'll be able to listen to that. But before we wrap it up, let's talk about the next song we're going to listen to also from the quarantine sessions. Yep. Uh, Confused by your charm. Yes. What, what can you tell us about? Yeah, this that's song? an original song and um, it's a very simple song. It's only got three chords, but um, I really wanted to just do a lot of jamming out in this song. So, and, and you can see in the video, I actually had two things that I cut together because I didn't like the end of one jam. So I put the other jam after it. So, uh-huh. so really the song was really just something that I wanted to just, just groove on. And it's really, really simple, but it's kind of cute, you know, and, mm. and I actually wrote it as part of a musical, right? I actually wrote a musical, which I never got produced. And this particular song was where he fell in love with this image of this woman um, who, who uh, he was confused because she really was kind of, a, kind of an evil person, but he was so, con- he was so confused by her charm that he lost sight of, of, of the fact that he really should have been with this other girl because she was more down to earth. 
Mm. Right. But the vibe of the song is not like that at all. It's a very happy song. Right. Um, and it really, I didn't mean it to be negative in any way, but that's where it was in the musical. And you'll see in the recording that I'm wearing two different outfits. Right. I really like the, the way I played it, but I can't stand the hair, the, the hair I had on the wig. Oh no. I just hate the way I look, but I love the track. So then, then you'll see, I cut in another version. I did like literally an hour later with a different wig, um, <laughs> uh, with a kind of another jam, and I guess kind of splice them together. <laughs> this is one of the things that I think I love about your work, and I want to look more at these videos, and yeah. we're starting another topic when I was going to wrap things up, but yeah. okay, I guess that's, our, that's what's happening. Um, you can edit, yeah. Is, is this sense of... Um, just doing it, you know, just like, yeah. you know, like, oh, so this video looks like it's going to be one where I splice two things together. Here it is, like, without, you know, a yeah. sense of like, ah, it should have been, you know, perfectionism. Oh, yeah. It's oh. great work. Um, and it's also genuine and sincere and in, in what it is. Yeah, because I think that the only way to get that visceral live energy is you're going to make mistakes. That is a foregone conclusion. And those mistakes mm. I see as part of the art because it's the imperfection. It's the live. It's the way a conversation. It's like having sex. I mean, you name it. Anything that's real is going to have imperfections and it. it's going to be different every time. Mm. And that to me, that's the, that's pure art. Yeah. 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 And that's the magic of, yeah. I mean, that's what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm re restating what you said. That's the magic of, of performing. Like, yeah. And it, I, it yeah. happens once. Yeah. And I play, I perform at, I used to perform a lot at Martini's, the piano bar here in San Francisco. Go to Martini's. A must see in San Francisco. Um, and, um, I, I really cut my teeth by just being in these drunken rooms playing for two hours nonstop, just knocking anything off, you know, just off the cuff. Um, and the audience loved it. Didn't matter wow. if I screwed up. There's really something to be said for that. And something that I want to take from that. I'm, every episode I talk to somebody, I'm like, oh, that's the thing. That's the thing that like was my yeah. message from this, from this talk. Oh, good. Yeah. Like, I, I always tell people, if you want to be a great performer, get up and screw up as fast as you can and get used to it. Yeah, you know? because and people appreciate it, you yeah. know, like, yeah, if, if, if you're not entirely screwing the entire yeah, thing There's up. obviously a point where, like, you know, if you just suck, there's, you know, that thing. Yeah, but, that's but, a whole other thing. But you can't get to that level of, of risk taking. I used to love Walter Becker's interviews. He loved when people would take risks. That means yeah. they would go off the scale and, if, oh, shit, we have to do that again. But sometimes the stuff that would come out would be amazing, you know, uh, and yeah. that's, that's, you know, that's to me, that's, that's what I want to do. It's fun. I don't want to do it the same way each time. Yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. This conversation, it's so good. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> so the website, mariaconnor.com, and that's Connor with a K, I'd like to say. Yeah, Maria Connor with a K. I mean, go there and get the uh, the book. There's an ebook and there's a print book. Get it from my distributor. Or my distributor. Amazon is the last choice. But definitely get the book. Um, and, um, you know, show it to your friends and enjoy it. It's 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 a it's a, it's a fun journey, but also I think people folks are going to learn a lot about this culture and also a lot about themselves. Ah, uh, thanks so much for joining me today. Nice to be here. Thank you again, Michael, for for the time and your great energy. Nothing done Cause I'm
And so we come to the end of another episode of Mikey Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Um, be sure to support Marie Connor's work. And um, I'll see you next week. Patrons, don't forget, check out the um, Patreon site so you can also check out the bonus content interview with Maria. Yes. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye.